Today on the Sound Rider Show, we're talking the KLR. It sounds like it is going away after, I think, 19 or 20 years. We've got a full AIM report from Las Vegas and falling asleep on your motorcycle. Have you ever done it? We'll see if either one of us has a head on the Sound Rider Show. Stick around. Support for the Sound Rider Show is provided in part by Valentine Motorworks, Seattle's independent service shop specializing in BMW motorcycles and beyond. Call or visit them to discuss your next service or restoration project soon. Find them online at valentinemotorworks.com. Hello, this is Greg Anderson, Cycle Barn Smoky Point. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. The tram doors are closing. Please stand clear. The tram doors are closing. The tram is accelerating. Please hold on to a handrail. The tram is slowing down. Please hold on to a handrail. Now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Motorcycle riders from across the Pacific Northwest and around the world, this is the Sound Riders Show, the only show where each and every month we give thanks to the two-wheeled community. Across from me here, Tom Marin, publisher, founder of Sound Rider, and of course myself, Derek Roberts. We're talking motorcycling all day long. Tom, what's going on? What you been up to? I've been driving my car. You've been driving your car? <laughs> well, that's not true. I know for a fact that you recently headed north of the border and uh, you were at least doing some moto-fueled research up there, right? I was doing a recon mission yeah. for a possible tour this spring of Vancouver Island. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Now, this, is, uh, this might be one of the uh, upcoming Soundwriter events, sort of, right? Yeah, this would be the Road Trip 2019 tour one way or another. Beautiful. So, uh, interesting, um, interesting time. I went in on a Sunday, came out on a Saturday. So I guess I was there a whole week. Um, and you know, we had some great weather down here in Seattle in October. What oh, was, it your, was, was it beautiful up beautiful. there? Beautiful. Yeah. Never rained, clear skies all the time. Had a very bizarre fog situation occur where it was about 10 o'clock in the morning. And this, I went down into this pillow of fog in a canyon. Sure. And uh, all the light refracted in the in the in the in the fog, yeah, and just super bright from coming from all sides. Wow! And I had to reach for the yellow lenses, and uh, it was it was bizarre. It's, I'd never I'd never been through fog like that before. It sounds it just, spectacular, though. It was, yeah, it was. And then all of a sudden, the road went up in elevation, and out I came, and it was over. That sounds like an amazing time, though. What did you think of kind of exploring Vancouver Island with the sort of uh, foresight of thinking about motorcycling in general? What do you think of that region for touring and that kind of thing? I think that if you go there and you think you're going to do it one way, maybe the other way is the better way to do it. And okay. I, didn't, I didn't figure that out until after I'd been there a few days. Um, Initial idea was that I would go out to each tentacle at night, right, and spend the night out in in one of the you know the Port Alice or the Port uh, or the Tofino area, sure. or the Port Renfro or whatever. 
And uh, turns out that's that's not how you want to do it. But you want to go to those places. But the way you you plan the trip out is you actually go along the spine and spend the night out there on the east spine each night, and then uh, you take your day trips out to the Tofinos, the ah, Hardys. Okay. The, yeah, you don't uh, you don't. There's, you know, there's, there's not a lot of places to stay unless you're talking Tofino, which you're talking some big money now. Yeah. And there's not a lot of places to eat. Uh, eating was the hardest thing for me on Vancouver Island. Uh, I just couldn't find good food. Uh, I found a lot of, of uh, chains, fast food junk. I found a lot of public houses that served nothing but fried this and fried that. Yeah, Cisco food coming in and that kind of thing. Um, so I had to work hard to come up with good restaurants. And so, you know, that's part of the the kind of deal with the road trip tour is you get some good restaurants along the way. Right. So uh, I've got that plotted out now. That's great. But, uh, you know, I, I, I took a bullet for everyone right. on this one, you know? Well, I think that's an interesting point because, you know, I, oftentimes, especially if people aren't maybe, you know, super close to the Canadian border, they hear Vancouver Island and they think like, oh, it's like by Vancouver, but we're talking pretty sparsely populated country and very seasonal country. In fact, it's a lot more, in my opinion, like Alaska than it is, say, Vancouver proper, right? I, I'd agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And, you know, there are uh, deer yep. out on the roads. Uh, there's elk. Lots of wildlife. And the uh, preferred mode of transportation by the locals is a Ford F5, F350 pickup right. truck <laughs> with a large uh, bumper on the front of it yeah. to take these animals and uh, be able to just kind of back the car up and drive away. Right. And here you are on a motorcycle. Uh, that's a good touring tip. If you <laughs> get behind a big F-350, just kind of set your Speedo right about a mile per hour below them and just kind of coast along and let them pick up use, the traffic, Use them right? as the, as the, the barriers. Yeah. <laughs> them and the semi-trucks. <laughs> that's a good idea. Um, but the problem is is that they want to go so damn fast all the time right. that you don't, you don't want to go as fast as they go because if you do hit something at 75 miles an hour – Instead of at 60 miles an hour, you might have a chance to avoid it. So the idea of speeding on Vancouver Island yeah. is not a good idea. Especially after that little fog intro that we had. It doesn't sound yeah. like that would be a, a recommended solution. You're right. But, you know, one thing I have always found going up there, too, is that, like you mentioned, you know, going from the east side to the west side during the day. Mm -hmm. Not only is that good for the sun, right? Mm -hmm. But also, I think it's a good idea because on that west side, even camping is pretty sparse. Um, yes. Yeah. So, like, but there's uh, there's there's actually more camping places around there than there is uh, overnight stays. But places. it's not going to be like it would in say some of the national forest areas, like it is down here in Washington. Like you're going to have a little bit different uh, set of regulation parameters and that kind of thing. Some areas you might even need reservations because, yeah. especially during the summertime, they book out well in advance because people are hiking. Yeah. on that West Coastern Trail, yep. um, or that West Coast Trail. So just a few things to keep in mind of. All being said, though, if you don't want to deal with any of the logistics, just sign up for the road trip tour in 2019, and you won't have to worry about there it. There you go. Right? There you go. We'll tell you where to camp. We'll tell you where to stay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it is, it is beautiful country up there. I'm really stoked that, uh, that you're going to make that the 2019 road trip tour, because I think it's just 
you should go there at least once on your motorcycle, right? And I tell you what, outside of Victoria, like we won't even be going to Victoria right. on this trip. Uh, you need to go to Victoria. You could do it the weekend before or the weekend after the road trip tour. But uh, Victoria is a traffic nightmare now. It's got it's got its rush hour. It's heavy duty. Uh, you know, trying to move between where the ferry comes in on the east side and Victoria in the daytime, it's uh, um, it's not good. Yeah. But uh, we'll stay out of Victoria, and the roads, all the tertiary roads that are up there outside of Victoria that that go up to Nanaimo, oh, man, they're stunning. Yeah. And the road, the the old uh, Pacific Coast, or I guess it's just a Highway 1, the old Highway 1 that goes between Nanaimo and Campbell River is really a blast. Yeah. And, uh, and, and just... Super scenic, super Stu- scenic, stunning, and some some good sort of uh, curvy roads there too, right? If you want to lean yeah, into it a little bit, yeah, absolutely, yep. And the ride that we have, uh, that we will have, that will go from um, just outside of Victoria up to Nanaimo. Um, there's no very little use of Highway One, yeah, and uh, and just some. And I got this photograph of this graveyard that's just super spooky <laughs> and beautiful, just old and beautiful. You think you're like somewhere on the east coast or something. So. It's it's a uh, it's a phenomenal area scenery wise, and uh, like I said, really looking forward to that in 2019. Have you picked a month that you think you're going to run that in yet? It's going to be in May, is what we have it down as right now. Beautiful, excellent. Toward the end of May, excellent time of year. But uh, looking got forward to dates, that. Got those dates on Soundwriter now, I do believe. Certainly, we'll have a, a preview article coming in November. Great. Or or maybe it's up by the time you hear this show. That's right. Well, looking forward to it either way. But hey, you know, from the stunning scenery of the Pacific Northwest to the deserts of the Intermountain Southwest, you also spent some time down in Las Vegas, kind of opposite ends of the spectrum here. Yeah, I slept in a pyramid for three nights. <laughs> Got my pyramid power going Something on. Something tells me that that was probably the Luxor, if I that would be the Luxor. Uh, if I remember correctly. There, how was your experience at the Luxor? Let me tell you, when you when you you know the Luxor's at like thirty six hundred the strip, yeah, and then the Mandalay Bay is at like thirty five hundred the strip. You know, just just across the street, right? You yeah. know what across the street means in Las Vegas? It means like a mile away. Yeah, definitely and I'm, not, and I'm not joking. It really is. It's like a 20-minute walk from the Luxor Hotel through the, the, I don't know, the shopping area and all that stuff. You don't have to go out on the street. Uh, and to the Mandalay and down to where the convention center is. It's a 20-minute. It's a, a mile long. Yeah, and of course, at Mandalay Bay, we're talking about the, uh, the AIM Expo, the annual AIM Expo, which was your mm-hmm. reason for going down there. You weren't just doing a little... Uh, Egyptology, you were actually checking out some motorcycles. That's true. <laughs> um, and that was an interesting uh, show. Uh, there will, There is uh, going to be a, a whole article in the November issue of Soundwriter about this. So, uh, But I, I'll tell you some of the highlights. I went to the uh, opening keynote speech, and it was given by a gentleman who's a senior advisor to the Department of the Interior. Interesting. For the United States. And uh, his name is Rick May, and he, uh, he let us all know that we're, uh, the uh, recreation is open for business. Wow. And they have secured something like 3 million acres of land that they're going to open for, for motorized recreational no use. No kidding. 
because uh, you know you have these land grabs when the Democrats are in office, mm-hmm. and then you have the Republicans want to open it all up again. But uh, you know, at the same time, there was an elephant in the room. Nobody ever talked about it. But uh, the Republicans are pushing for the use of E15 fuel, and that stuff tears up motorsports vehicles. So somebody in the Department of Interior needs to go over to the Department of Energy and say, hey, you can't do this, you know? Or maybe this is some sort of uh, subsidy program to get more people into the service departments of your local motorcycle dealerships, right? Oh, boy, it will. (laughs) It will. And and, uh, you know what I noticed when I was up in Vancouver is uh, most gas stations only sell 100% fuel, no ethanol. Hmm. And then you had to be careful because, like the Chevrons, yep. they they um, will sell you E10, and you know what? They sell it to you for the same price ah. as regular hundred percent fuel. I don't like that deal. Yeah, so that's a ripoff. And you know what happens when you put E10 in? It means you get about ten percent less fuel mileage. Much if you put less efficient. Yeah. E15 in, you get your fuel mileage goes down fifteen percent. Now, yeah, you might have paid fifteen percent less for it, but what good is it doing? You're putting corn water in, and it's not in. It's not doing any good for you. It's not doing any good for the environment. You're actually burning the same amount of petrol. Right. By having worse fuel mileage and having to fill up more often. Yeah, and not to mention when you talk about a lot of these motorcycles, most of us don't want to have to fill up more often than we need to, right? Yeah, you're going exactly. out to these remote areas, and if you're getting 15% less fuel mileage, not to mention on knobby tires and that kind of thing, like that can yeah. really. Suck and if you it's down an older motor, you're, you're tearing up the motor. Yeah, beating all it that to water in there. Beating it to hell, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, I, I don't know. This whole idea of ethanol and fuel doesn't uh, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, obviously, there's lobbyists behind this. I think behind the lobbyists, it's it, it's the corn growers and it's Monsanto, right. the people who provide the seeds. Now, the uh, the AMA too has come has taken an official stance on this, right? Aren't they? Uh Aren't they doing some work to try to uh, sort of negate these effects? They are, and uh, we'll talk about that in News Bites. Okay, coming up here. I do want to go back quickly, though, to the idea of uh, opening up some of these public lands. I have found that, at least in the last couple of years, that this new plan, at least for federally anyway, seems to be in contrast to what we've seen locally here in Washington at the very least. Has that been kind of your uh, impression as well? I feel like there's been a little bit of a surge to kind of well, we closed a lot of stuff down in yeah. Washington in the last decade. Right. And we have, you know, a, a Democratic, um, po- you know, I guess you majority, majority down yeah. in Olympia still. So I've not seen them shut more things down, but I've not seen them budging on opening stuff up. Right. And just to be clear, too, we're talking just strictly from a, a motorcycling standpoint, too. I mean, when we talk Democrats and Republicans, these are just the historical trends yeah. that we have seen here. Exactly. You know? We're not naming names. Yeah, right. But uh, I, it is fascinating, though, that they would bring um, the Department of the Interior in to be the keynote speaker at the AIM Expo. That is uh, – I mean, I, I guess that's a good thing. That was good right? news, yeah. I thought, because, you know, they've, they've uh, shot a video and they put together this video compilation, runs about a minute, maybe a minute and a half, and it shows people with their kayaks and it shows people backpacking and then some guy flies by on a side-by-side. Right. And then uh, somebody's out, uh, you know, cross-trekking somewhere and the next thing you see is a guy on a dirt bike. Yeah. And that's that's all fine. And, you know, I don't have a problem with opening up some of these areas that get shut down as long 
long as they're not environmentally sensitive. Like when they shut down the deserts down in California years ago because people were riding over the desert tortoises. Right. Like, no, that's that's probably needs to be shut down. Well, I was all in favor of subsidizing harder shells for the tortoises, but I couldn't get any steam on that legislation. Yeah, you were, so. you were the one who came up with the idea of the carbon fiber shells that's right, for the yeah. tortoises. Well, make them lighter and stronger, I figure, to be faster and better for everybody. Um, yeah, they'll fly further when you hit them with a sand paddle tire. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But, you know, I do I – do, find myself in uh in these interesting camps particularly here in washington because we've got you know large outdoor gear manufacturers who constantly want to shut things down and i'm an outdoor guy i love backpacking i love being out in the quiet in the wilderness as much as the next person but also i like to take my dual sport motorcycle out there to get to some of these places so it is kind of a constant conflict for I think some of us, and you, you, I think would probably include yourself. And when in this these group. outdoor companies, and we'll name one right now, who funds the lobbying to shut down public lands is called REI. Right. So put your money with people who don't support that. Maybe there goes that um, sponsorship for the Sound Rider. The problem show. <laughs> is then you you've crammed everybody into five hiking trails outside of Seattle I, instead uh, of thirty. It's miserable because we yeah. can't go anywhere anymore, and we have to have a permit to go up to a place. Uh, you know the Palisades. Up uh, by Leavenworth, you can't get in there without winning the lottery on a permit yeah. now. And there's only like thirty people a year, right. hundred people a year who get it. So uh, um, you know, you start shutting all that stuff down, and then you've got these hiking trails that are way overloaded. Yeah. And and of course, you know where you're going to ride your motorcycle outside sure. of Seattle anymore. Yeah. Uh, your article was good, where where you expose those, you know, the three snowballs. The few that we have, right, you know? Yeah, but I mean, you know, those those are okay, Rose. There's nothing fantastic about yeah. them, and they don't go anywhere. You are all, all three of them are out and back. Out and back, yeah. Eh, that's just a little bit to scratch the itch there. But, you know, before we uh, depart from our AIM conversation here, we'll shift gear maybe from the whole politics of it all, because I something that you mentioned to me stood out as well was there are a few notable manufacturers that just weren't there. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that when we get up to the interview segment. Let's uh, okay. Let's we'll get into, into that. that. And I have some interviews with some of the manufacturers who were there. All right, perfect. So, well, maybe then uh, before we uh, depart into the news bite segment, one thing I do want to get confirmation from you of, and we've seen a lot of this going around the newswire now, is the KLR is going away. Yeah, I, I got a total confirmation on that yeah. when I was in Las Vegas. So this that's is, official. Is this nineteen or twenty years? Uh, in production I think it's for the twenty. KLR? Twenty years for the KLR. So. Any, uh, it's time for that bike to go away. Any predictions? Can we have to come up with with maybe a water cooled? Uh, you know, I, this is Kawasaki's chance to come with a new piece of product that is in that range, right? That uh, absolutely uh, outdoes what they'd been doing for twenty years. So, what do you think, though? Do you think they go uh, sort of? V-Strom direction with the Versus, or do you think they go CRF 450L direction with their is it KLX 450 or what's their off-road? I can't remember now off the top of my head. But what do you think, uh, or do you think we'll see both? Do you have any predictions? From- well, whatever they come with has got to have spokes. Yeah, for Not sure. Not those magnesium or alloy or any of that stuff that you see on Couldn't the agree V-Stroms. More. Yeah. It's got to have spokes. Uh, it's got to be the KLR in the 21st century. Yeah. That's what it's got to be. If they if they don't, you know, if they don't come with that then don't bring it. Don't, I agree. don't bring anything. 100%. I mean, they already got the versus. They yeah. own that. So 
So, uh, I mean, if you need a, a 600cc adventure bike, you could get a Versus. But uh, there again, you know, they're they're not they're not up there with the KLR in terms of the versatility on the trail. Well, we got to have it be lightweight. It's got to have spokes. It's got to have a 21-inch front. It's got to have an 18 or a 17 rear. It's got to be the best technology in motors right now without a lot of computers. Yep. So that we have left parts that can fail on the trail. Um, and I, I, you know, I think they'll do it. I think so, too. I don't see any spy photos yet. But. See, this is kind of – because everything that you said to me just sounds like Gen 2 of the KLR, and I agree with you completely on all of those things. But I feel like maybe we just don't see the KLR for a year or two, and then they come back out with the all-new KLR. Well, that would be okay too. Yeah. I think uh, that would be the right move for them actually because why, why discount that branding? So next week is the ICMA show, yep. and Kawasaki is uh, scheduled to release up to four new vehicles at the ICMA show. Interesting. So we'll see what those are. They they uh, revealed a new bike at the AIM Expo, and, uh, and then they've got up to four more to go. Okay. Well, hey, keep developing. Uh, I'm always looking forward to seeing what uh, Team Green will come out with in the next couple of years. All right, let's take a little break. When we come back, we got some news bites. Support for Soundwriter and the Soundwriter Show is made possible by Skagit Power Sports. Check out the North Sound's largest selection of bikes from names like Yamaha, Kawasaki, KTM, and Suzuki. Located just off I-5 in Burlington, Skagit Power Sports also features a large selection of riding gear, apparel, and an experienced staff to help you along the way. Visit Skagit Power Sports today. Hi, my name is Dana. I live in Belfair. I ride a KTM 350 and a BMW uh, 1200 GS Adventure and a Harley. And uh, my favorite ride is following Sean. Hey, everybody. This is Andrew from Moscow Moto, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. show in the thick of the november edition and of course we're going to dive into news bites where we have got uh we've got you know not a lot of things happening but some very interesting things happening i would say wouldn't you tom i'd say this is some crazy stuff going on right well let's kick us off with (laughs) the first one we have here on the list which i uh I found to be very interesting. I think down in olympia am i am i correct here down in uh southern washington somewhere around there Yeah. yeah um a woman was cited because she crashed when she fell asleep on her motorcycle. I don't know about you. As an operator, I have never fallen asleep on a motorcycle, and I'm the worst passenger in the world. I can guarantee you I will not fall asleep as a passenger on a motorcycle. Some of us have felt that knocking on the back of our heads. Sure. Um, I don't know how you do that. I, you know, I, you have to be – pretty tired for one and then it does make you wonder if maybe there's something else involved maybe like a change to medication or maybe some self-medication i mean a lot of speculation there but that none is, of that was noted in the article though. that's well, this that's pretty gnarly though right to uh to pass out on your motorcycle 
you know, I had a woman crash into the back of my car one day, and she fell asleep because she was uh, like a nurse who was on a 24-hour shift. Oh, really? And then she hit the back of my car because she fell asleep at the wheel. Uh, but uh, I, <laughs> I guarantee if I do a 24-hour shift at the hospital, I ain't throwing a leg over the bike. I was going to say, that is probably a solid suggestion, maybe a bonus uh, tip for this month's episode. If you are a nurse or any other type of professional on a 24-hour shift, don't take your motorcycle to or from work. Maybe do the whole Uber route. Yeah. If you want to read the article, you can link it, uh, get a link to it on our News Bites column. Uh, another one you can get a link to is a video of Cody Dale taking a drone. And uh, this is a 13-second long video. Yeah. And uh, when you see it, it's uh, it's unlike any drone video you've ever seen. <laughs> so friend of the show, of course, Cody Dale, longtime friend of SoundRider, and he is the man on the motorcycle who uh, has a an interaction, let's just say, with uh, the filming drone. Right? It looks like it looks like they did it on purpose. It was <laughs> it such does. a perfect strike on him. <laughs> I guess it's videos like these that probably make the FAA want to put stronger regulations on drones, right? Cause I mean, I, 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 I could tell the listeners what this looks like, but you got to watch it. Just watch it. The, it, yeah. the drone's up in the air about maybe, I don't know, 30, 40 feet. Yep. And uh, Cody's off in the distance, and he's coming in, and as he, the closer he gets, <laughs> the lower the drone gets. And right as he gets to where the drone is, the drone crashes into the front of the bike. And so, apparently uh, – Cody was not injured. In yeah, this. I think he looks like he's all I right. I think the but. drone got up and walked, too. <laughs> Sound, or, uh, Facebook.com slash SoundRiderMeg, though, and you can check it out. And it's no, definitely... you can get it right on News Bites. Oh, yeah, and on News You Bites, don't have to yeah. be a Facebook guy. You can That's just right. link to it right from News Bites. That's right. Good point. But uh, definitely worth checking out. 13 seconds that uh, I don't think you'll regret. Uh, let's see. Okay, last uh, month we reported that the Moto International had closed its doors, and now we can tell you that the Moto Guzzi and the Aprilia lines will move to the east side at Optimum Performance Power Sports or right. something. Is that what they call themselves? In uh, Bellevue. Uh, these guys have been around a while. They started as a track day company. They went into independent service. And now they're going to have these two OEMs from Piaggio. So we'll, well see what happens. I'm very happy to see that someone's picking up these lines within you know 20 mile radius here of Seattle because I, for a while there I didn't uh, I wasn't hearing too much chatter about where it would end up. I figured it would land somewhere, but I don't want these two brands to disappear from the Seattle scene. No, kind of. I mean, there's people who own Aprilia's and Moto Guzzi's that need service. Yeah, for sure. So, And I think uh, to some of the Seattle shops, too, I think I've, I've talked to a few that have seen a little bit of uptick in their requests for Moto Guzzi and Aprilia service. So there are still a lot of good independent shops out there. If you do own one of those bikes, uh, some good places here in Seattle that you can still get those serviced. Yep, and I'm interested to see on the east side if some of the uh, old Moto International Alumni shows up working yeah. at Optimum, so that's a good point. Yeah, we'll see about that. what do you think will happen to the old uh, Moto International building there? Uh, I hope they tear it down. Yeah, <laughs> that area is getting gentrified right now. It I, is. I would imagine that the owner of that building is probably getting on in years and ready to sell it. I don't know who owns it. Yeah, you got to think it's probably pretty high priced real estate at this point, though, right? I mean, yeah, it's been there for a lot of years. So. It's probably worth one or two million right there. My uh, hope is that uh, the old store from across the street, the purple store, will move in there and they'll paint that building purple. 
Boy, we're all missing the Purple Store, aren't we? For those not familiar, there was a store here just north of downtown Seattle called the Purple Store that's only sold merchandise that was the color purple fitting in. You can still uh, buy stuff from them online. Oh, can you? They're still yeah. in business. All right. Well, in hey. fact, I talked to the guy one day, and he told me that they were uh, basically just using that store as a warehouse for their online orders. I can see that, yeah. So, anyways, back to motorcycles. Right. Um, uh, Andy Cherney awesome article on covered bridges down in Oregon and uh, boy that scored some big points online on the social media and deservedly so what a fantastic article right I mean there are some some great covered bridges to write to it's awesome to have these type of articles that just give you an excuse to go out and ride and see something new yeah you know I loved it I think Andy did a fantastic job on it I don't know if I told you how that article came to be oh well, I don't think you did let's hear well what the... happened was i I wrote up an article on covered bridges in Oregon and uh pitched it to uh a m a and they said we want it so they ran it in the i think it was September issue of a m a okay of American motorcyclists. Well, in the meantime, that was this was back in the spring. I thought, hey, well, <laughs> I can't run it in Soundwriter, but I'd really like a Covered Bridges article. And Andy lives down in Portland, and he said, sure, I'll go do it. So he he got all the stuff together, and uh, so you know, if you're an AMA member and you read Soundwriter, you got double yeah. Covered Bridges articles this year, and they're different, you know. Yeah. Does uh, for, from your experience, does, is there any one covered bridge that stands out to you as maybe sort of the best covered bridge in the Pacific Northwest to go and check out? No, it's yeah. it's getting to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's one out. Uh, if there were, you know, if I if I would say what it was, it was, it was all about the ride to get to it. Um, the one that's out on the west end of the Lobster Valley Road in Oregon is awesome. I forget. It was something school bridge. Okay. Um, and and you'd have to look it up like in the Benchmark Atlas and find out where it is and then just take the Lobster Valley Road from all the way from the east end out to the west end to find this, this uh, covered bridge. Uh, I love that one. Yeah. But, I mean, there's. There's great roads to all of them, too. Well, and that's the thing for a lot of these, just some great two-lane highways that kind of lead you through some very scenic areas, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I got a rumor here, and uh, no one will confirm or or unconfirm it, <laughs> okay. uh, that the WIC may be opening up a location inside of Triumph of Seattle. This is the WIC coffee shop. Coffee shop, yeah. Yeah, just one more reason not to ride your motorcycle. Go over to Triumph and drink coffee, and then you can ride home and say you took a ride. <laughs> there you go. Well, right now their location is down uh, – their one location is down next to the Moto Shed here in Queen Anne, Seattle, right? Yep. Yep, and uh, I, you know, this, I think this would be kind of a cool setup. I know that more and more shops across the United States are starting to experiment with this kind of thing, and uh, I know in the past there's been quite a few Harley shops that have had – Yep, little things like that, and they do. They attract. I don't know if they know. still do it down at Destination Harley or not, but they used to have a Tully's in there. Oh, really? Yeah, I went there one day with somebody, and uh, she said she wanted a cup of coffee, and we walked in, and and I I pointed to the Tully's, and she goes, "That's not going to work. Hmm. It has to be a Starbucks." <laughs> Well, I don't think you'll have to worry about that if this rumor is true because the WIC, I think uh, – I don't. do they do their own beans there or they've got some provider? I don't know exactly I don't know about that. what the situation is. But it won't be Starbucks anyway opening up in Triumph of Seattle. I think we no. can probably confirm that. If it happens, it, yeah, it would it be happens. the WIC. Maybe we'll know more in December. Yeah. 
A number of canned food drives going on in the Pacific Northwest. Two dealers we can confirm are uh, Seattle Cycle Center and Skagit Power Sports. So um, there's more details coming on this. I know that I'm pretty sure that at either of these shops, if you bring in like three cans of food, there's a discount on whatever item you're planning to buy that day. Wow, that's great. So, you know, like three cans of food cost you like five bucks, and maybe you could save like, uh, you know, 25 or 40 bucks on a on a nice new helmet. Yeah, or I think if you do your planning appropriately, you can probably get, uh, I mean, some quality canned food for even cheaper at Safeway, right? So you could probably score pretty big if you're going to go and buy like a jacket and pant combo or something like that. Yeah, you yeah. know what I do is I just get into my cupboard and I look at everything with an expiration date. <laughs> I throw that all in a bag and I take it out. Right? Yeah, I think uh, maybe uh, maybe we do something a little bit more uh, thoughtful than that. You don't need to break. If, out. if the can has a dent in it, I put it in the bag and I take it down. Oh, no. I don't. I don't think there's a lot of hungry families looking forward to cream of celery or anything like that <laughs> from, the, from the back of the cupboard. But you know, or, you can or get... like the organic chicken stock in the can. Right. They don't yeah. want it. I though. think. Yeah, you need to maybe include some chicken with that. But <laughs> with an expired know... date and a dent in right. the can. <laughs> I will say, though, both of these shops always do so much good for the uh, – not just the motorcycling community, but the community at large. So yeah, it's good their to, community. Yeah, they definitely are uh, very oriented in that direction. I'm so. sure there's others doing it. If you're listening and your shop is doing a canned food drive, tell us about it. We'll yeah. announce it on the show next month. For sure. Throw us a shout-out. Tis, uh, tis the season. Uh, also on our Newsbyte page is a link where you can send a, a letter to the president of the United States uh, – Letting him know that you are not in favor of E15 and your fuel. So uh, it takes, I think it took me 18 seconds to put my name in and punch the button and get it through. It doesn't take long. Make your voice heard. Uh, And I don't want to hear anybody complaining about E15 if they haven't done anything to try to stop it. Yeah, I would say uh, I agree with that. You know, we... um like we talked about a little bit earlier in the opening segment, this is becoming more and more of a concern, especially for those of us that ride older motorcycles. We have to kind of keep an eye out on the water and our fuel lines, and E15 has, uh, has has some downsides to it for sure. So check it out. Check out the link, AMA, or on the Soundwriter Facebook page. And now I know a lot of our listeners have some antique bikes in the garage. Oh, yeah, definitely. One Come of and many, buy right? mine, will you? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Hey, uh, Suzuki did a recall on the GSXR. This is nearly every GSXR model, 600, 750, and 1,000 released between 2005 to 2013. Um, And they weren't getting the the kind of response on this recall that they had. This is for a uh, defective master brake cylinder on the front brake. Um, so what they did was they came up with this, uh, program to offer anybody who brought the bike in for a recall, they give them a hundred dollar visa card. Mm. So could pay you a hundred dollars to bring your bike in for a recall. See, the problem is when you're talking motorcycles that are 10, 13 years old, they've probably been bought and sold two or yeah, three times. How do you reach all those people? And so Suzuki doesn't have a way to reach them. So uh, we're we're trying to be a conduit for that. Yeah. How does that? You know, I've always wondered how does that work with older motorcycle recalls? Because if you register it with the state, is there any database that these manufacturers can pull just I don't to know. see? But you can always go to a shop and have them run your VIN. Yeah. And they can see if your bike is included in any recalls. 
So, you know, whether you got a GSXR or not, if you bought a used bike from somebody else, right. uh, go, to the, go to the shop, and it's got to be an OEM shop. You know, you can't go to, like, the, to the independent service sure. shop. You're going to have to go to the Honda dealer or the Yamaha dealer or whatever and have them run your VIN and uh, see. There's a good tip and trick right there. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, I'm racking my brain. I think that you can do this online through one of the uh, National Highway. Oh, yeah. NHTSA. Yeah. Yeah, you probably can. Yeah. So I think, you know, maybe that's just a a good little maybe winter project for all of us just to kind of check in on our motorcycle, right? That's a good idea. Yeah. Keep a note for that. (laughs) I'm making a note of that. What else you got? Yeah. So, you know, uh, motorcyclist, part of the, uh, is it Bonnier? Is that how you pronounce the uh, publishing group, I think? Bonnier? Is it, it's B-O-N-N-I-E-R. Yeah, I, I've I never know. been clear on the pronunciation, but they do uh, Cycle World and Motorcyclist Magazine. And we talked a few months ago about how they rolled back into quarterly publications, at least Cycle World was going to. And now it looks like uh, Motorcyclist, uh, their two editors, which are uh, Ari Henning and uh, Zach Quartz, are going to be moving on to a new project with Motor Trend, and they've been responsible for a lot of the video content over at Motorcycle. I was going to say to the listeners, you, you may have seen these guys on YouTube because yeah. they've done a ton of YouTube videos. The one we showed at the Rally in the Gorge was the Nikon one that they did. That's right, and I think that's part of the On Two Wheels series. And mm-hmm. uh, then they've got Motorcyclist Garage, and uh, I think there's another one out there. But, uh, you know, they, they, they do a lot of good work. I've really enjoyed their videos uh, throughout the years, but I am interested to see – how some of the changes, uh, you know, in the motorcycling media um, sort of world continue to evolve here. You know, I, I'm just interested to see how these uh, how these guys land. It sounds like it's going to be paid content and that sort of thing. And you know, it's going to be fun to keep an eye on. Don't you think that Bonaire ought to call us and see if we want to fill their shoes now? I think we'd be really good doing YouTube videos. Don't you, you think? You didn't get that call. <laughs> well, you did. Oh yeah, and I yeah. didn't. Oh man. <laughs> You know, before we uh, before we go here too, one other quick thing that I wanted to pick your brain on is Alta. Yeah, yeah. So Alta apparently a couple, well, a few Over weeks ago, yeah, they just went into the offices one day and they started tapping people on the shoulder and they're like, "We're done. See you later." Yeah. So Alta, of course, the electric <laughs> motorcycle uh, company, who for a while had a pending partnership with Harley, Harley pulled out, and then about you know, a few months after that, here we are. Yeah. And they're on the ropes. What do you think that this say for the state of electric motorcycles? I think that this is uh, what we're going to see going on for another decade or so. I think until we get electric motorcycles to a point where they make sense yeah. as commuter vehicles, as, uh, you know, and we need longer range than just a commuter vehicle. I agree. I think we're going to see these companies coming and going. We've seen it with uh, Bramo out of Oregon. Mm-hmm. They came, they, they, they sold everything to Polaris, they're gone. Then Polaris put out the, the bike for like one year, and they gave up on all that. Yeah, was that the Pulse, or do you remember the, yeah, uh, something like that? The Im- E-Pulse. Yeah, the E-Pulse, yeah, Impulse, something like yeah. that, right. Um, and I, I, I think this is just this is the way it goes with new technology. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of like the internet back in 1995. You had all these companies. You had the oh god, I don't know. You know, the people who delivered pet food Pets. to you, com, and now they're yep. gone, and all this stuff. So uh, well, maybe that's what Alta needed was a sock puppet mascot that would have got people. Well, you know, and it must have got room. expensive for Alta because I was in a shop one day when a motor showed up. 
because the other one had failed, and just to ship that motor is like two to three hundred bucks because of the weight on it. Right, and that's got to put it on a pallet and strap it up, and that should really be one of the uh, selling points for an electric motorcycle too. Is that an electric motor should go like a million miles? Yeah, but that know? one didn't. Right, which is so. which is interesting. But anyway, uh, I continue to keep an eye on the electric motorcycle market. It seems like Zero is the one that continues to fight the fight and uh, stand tall. But uh, we'll see what happens, man. I, I, I hope that somebody picks up the assets and reorganizes and keeps developing. And Elon Musk, if you're listening, and I know you are, uh, let's get that long-range motorcycle battery. Um, I think where you might see some activity is going to be some continued activity is going to be over in scooters. Mm. And um, what we'd all be interested in seeing is if Kimco, one of the one of the leading scooter brands, came with a with an electric scooter right. that actually functioned decently, and you could get 150, maybe 200 miles out of it. Uh, and you know, there's lots of Chinese stuff right now that could be purchased by the container load. Yeah, but <laughs> there's no telling what's going to happen down the road, service-wise, with stuff like that. Yeah. So it's got to be a reputable name that comes to the market with that, and that may be a place where we'd see some activity. Um, I don't know what you know. Harley Davidson said they're going to put their electric bike out in 2019. They had nothing at the Ames show. In yeah, Vegas. that's the live wire, right? That yeah. they've been talking about. They announced in that big push with all those new models, and I think uh, a few dealerships already signed up to have charging stations and that kind of thing. So they're at least moving forward theoretically. Whether or not we see a viable product. Uh, dot 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 that remains to be seen i have a nice photograph of a tesla charging station in detroit oregon oh yeah it's about it's about i think 10 different receptacles okay all empty well did the the thriving hub that is detroit oregon doesn't have a a lot of teslas (laughs) (laughs) lined up there sounds like maybe a tax credit policy tesla takes detroit right (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll take a little break when we come back we got a calendar of events Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Cascade Motorcycle Safety. Featuring two ranges located in Anacortes and Bellingham, Cascade Motorcycle Safety offers beginner and intermediate rider courses and is certified to test riders for their motorcycle endorsement. For more information, visit their website at Cascade Motorcycle Safety today. Hi, my name is Kim Grimner. I'm from Vancouver, Washington, and I've got a couple of motorcycles, and I love to ride in the Gifford or the Tillamont Stake Forest. Hey, this is Benny with Langlet's Leathers, and you're listening to The Soundwriter Show. segment here on the sound rider show and you know as we get into these winter months the events they start to become a little bit more sparse but there are still some really interesting things that you can go out and ride to and like we learned here in october we had a lot of great riding days and now i shouldn't say here in october but now here in november maybe a few of those will carry over and line up with some of these events that we've got going on we could i remember november's in the pacific northwest where we had like two weeks of high pressure happiness 
It's so. you know, and some of those favorite days for me to ride is when it's about uh, you know mid fifties. You got the color change going yeah. and the sun shining. Like that's pretty great to get out there on two. Watch wheels, out so. for the leaves on the road. Watch out for the leaves. That's a good tip always. So uh, Saturday, November third, the Goosey owners will be down in Enumclaw. We have the address for that at Crane Corner on the calendar page on Soundrider. That's happening. Uh, also down in Oregon City on Saturday the 3rd, there is a Musician's Toy Run Benefit. Now you say, well, what is that? Yeah. Well, it appears to be sort of a meetup. So you can ride your motorcycle over to the saloon and uh, bring your toys and drop them off and enjoy some music. And uh, just watch out for the checkpoint on the way out. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool, though, right? I mean, this isn't something that we see all that often for uh, to, as far as toy runs are concerned. To get I mean, together. we have toy runs all the time. Yeah. But this one didn't look like you met at a certain place and then went to another destination. It just right. looked like you go to this one place. Everybody meet up. I don't know. Uh, there's a link to more information on our site on the calendar page. Check it out. Uh, Sunday the 4th. Uh, Washington State BMW riders will be leading a ride out of Tumwater, Washington in the morning. Uh, details about that on our site. There's uh, usually a meeting beforehand, and then the ride follows. You don't have to be a member of the club. Always good to, do to the emphasize ride. that, right? Any type of motorcycle is welcome. Yep. Um,. On Saturday, the 17th, the Motoguchi owners of Oregon will meet up somewhere outside the Portland area. And uh, weather permitting, I would expect there will be a ride. Uh, again, you don't have to be a member right. to go. Check it out, though. I mean, I'm glad to see you know, Moto Guzzi still going strong. There is a pretty fanatical fan base here in the Northwest in, uh, mm-hmm. in some respect, right? So mm-hmm. it's good to see these guys still doing events. And if you own a Moto Guzzi that's an old one, make sure you uh, chime in on E15. Yeah, that's you an excellent point. You don't put no E15 in an old Guzzi motor. No, that's a very good point. Uh, okay, we're not sure about this one, but um, there's conflicting. We didn't have a chance to call the guys direct. Uh, Backfire Moto would occur on Wednesday, the 21st of November. Uh, now, in the past, they didn't have them after October. Right. But with the new location, they had told us earlier in the summer, and I think on the interview, that they would be able to do Backfire Moto every month of the year now. Yeah. So that's that's definitely something you want to check out uh, their website and see if they're going to be down there. And if not, maybe just get a friend or two together and go ride somewhere and have a cup of coffee anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. Can't go, hurt. Go buy a turkey. Yeah. Because you're going to need it for the 22nd. <laughs> Twenty second is Thanksgiving, and then we move into December. Well, so actually, before we go on to December, I want to bop back up to number five here because I think uh, Skagit has got something oh, going you're right. on, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, on the uh, let's see, this is Tuesday the twentieth through the twenty fourth. So this is Thanksgiving week. Forget about Black Friday, right? Uh, Skagit Power Sports going to have a store wide sale all week. They won't be open on Thanksgiving. But uh, that Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, you can pick up store-wide savings. Uh, We're trying to find other 
sale information and uh, having trouble. Uh, dealers not posting up what their plans are yet. So uh, if we know something or if you work at a dealer, go ahead and put it on our calendar and we'll get it posted up. Yeah, send it to us because we want to, uh, we're big, shop local, go out to your dealers, right? We want to mm-hmm. tell the listeners where to get the yeah, good deals. Absolutely. That's what we're here for. Um, so now Saturday, on to December, yeah. Yeah, Saturday, December 8th. Also at Skagit Power Sports will be their Strider Bike Day. And what this is is uh, they tear apart the showroom floor. They set up a track. They have about a half a dozen Strider bikes on hand. And you can bring your youngsters in, typically ages 2 to 10. Right. Um, put a helmet on them and have them paddle around on the Strider bike and get used to what, what happens on a balance bike, which is way better than learning how to ride with training wheels. 100%. And how much fun is it to watch these little uh, guys and gals going around trying to uh, figure out and negotiate some of their uh, some of their mechanics, physical, physical mechanics? And, and they have to negotiate stuff. each other and sometimes yeah. they crash into each other, but it's okay because they're only going about a half a mile an hour. So. Well, we have to talk to the guys at Skagit. There's a uh, few just Washington riders that aren't kids that I would like to see uh, maybe get some adult strider bikes and get a little practice on that. Huh? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can think of more than a few out here that could use a little a little practice. <laughs> All right. Um, and, you know, uh, through, through uh, the end of 2018 and into 2019, the Master Collector's Honda exhibit continues down at the LeMay America's Car Museum in Tacoma. So be sure you put that on your list of things to check out this winter when you're bored and your bike is wrapped up in blankets. Now I had seen uh, you know some some pictures of this. Did you actually go down? I did. You did and actually checked it out. So I shot all those photographs. That's what I assumed, but I hadn't had a chance to talk to you about it yet. What was your what was kind of your reception to it? What did you think? I thought it was cool. Yeah, it looked it was awesome. Cool seeing all that stuff in one place. About 115 motorcycles. That's great. All Hondas. And so, you know, many of us grew up through that era of the 70s. There's a few bikes from the 60s in there. Uh, I think there's one from the 50s. There's a 59 Dream in there. That's awesome. And um, it's a good display, really yeah. good display. I'd like to see these guys do more motorcycle stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, just to remember for coming up in 2019, January 18th through the 20th will be the Vancouver Motorcycle Show. Uh, don't complain that there's no Seattle Motorcycle Show. Just drive north and go to the Vancouver Motorcycle Show. Yeah, and we went uh, last year, of course, and had a great time up there with our friend Cody Dale, the yeah. uh, drone accident victim that we referred to <laughs> earlier. But uh, you know what? I was uh, I was much happier with the Vancouver Motorcycle Show than I was with the previous IMS here in Seattle. So if you've never been, I'd say make the trek if you're in the uh, Washington area across the border and go check it out. And if your uh, passport is expired or they won't allow you out of the country, um, February 8th through the 10th will be the One Moto Show down in Portland. Also always a good event down there. And uh, maybe this will be the year. You know, I hear great things. I've never been, but I haven't been down to Portland in a while. This sounds like a good excuse to check out some motorcycles and to eat some good food down there. Yeah. Yeah. There's some good places to eat. Yeah. Unlike Vancouver Island. Right. (laughs) All right, um, let's take a break. When we come back, I've got some interviews with some of the manufacturers from the AIM Expo in Las Vegas. Support for SoundRider and the SoundRider Show is made possible by... Moon Motorcycles, a family-run operation located in Issaquah, Washington. 
Moon Motorcycles features a diverse selection of used bikes to choose from. Whether you're shopping for a used sport bike, cruiser, dual sport, sport touring, or street standard, you owe it to yourself to visit Moon Motorcycles and look over their large inventory. Have you got a used bike you want to consign? Get in touch with Moon Motorcycles today. Yeah, my name is Norton Norm, and I really like coming to the Backfire Motor Night. Hi, this is Rich from Rich's Custom Motorcycle Seats, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. We're back on the Soundwriter Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Derek Roberts. Uh, I don't know. What's your title? All Things to Everyone, right? Yeah, no. All <laughs> Things to Everyone. Yeah. And uh, we got some interviews from some of the manufacturers at the AIM Expo in Las Vegas last month. Uh, Derek hasn't heard any of these, and neither has anyone else. Yeah. Except me. So uh, we're going we're gonna to work through them. And, uh, you know, just to be, uh, I don't want to play any favorites here. We're going to go through them alphabetically. Yeah. Uh, the first one we have is an interview with Bell Helmets. Okay, I'm over here at the Bell Helmets booth. And uh, Bell, leader in helmet making for decades. Uh, anybody who ever watched on any Sunday surely saw the Bell logo 900 times. So I'm here with a very well-spoken Luke Brady from Bell. And he's going to tell us about two types of technology that Bell is introducing. Which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with the Flex. Since okay. It's our Halo product. So this is called the Flex technology. Yes, our Flex liner system. It's going to be in our MX9, or excuse me, our Moto 9 Carbon Flex, as well as our Raystar. Raystar has the Flex liner system in it as well. Uh, but what we're doing here is rather than using traditional EPS technology or multi-density EPS, we actually introduced two new materials into the program. Uh, we have EPO, expanded polyolefin, and EPP, expanded polypropylene. So we have a three-layer system, and each material is designed to manage a specific speed of impact. So you have your EPS, your EPO, and your EPP. Now your EPO is designed to manage your slow-speed energies. Your EPP and EPO together will manage your mid-speed energies. And your EPS, EPO, and EPP will get you your Snell certification, or your 0 to 7.75 meters per second. We also have a slip plane that's built in between the EPO and the EPP. So what that allows us to do is manage those rotational energies and transfer those into linear energies. Uh, so that's our Halo product technology. And then if you step down a level into our either our Star MIPS or our MX9 or our Moto 9 MIPS, excuse me, you get MIPS technology, which stands for Multidirectional Impact Protection System. And essentially, what MIPS is is a plastic slip plane in between the liner and the EPS. And again, in that split second that you were to hit the ground, that allows the shell of the helmet to rotate around the MIPS slip plane, and it allows us to not transfer all that rotational energy direct to your brain. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're, we're talking about this on, an, on a podcast, but uh, the reason we're doing this is because we want to encourage people to go to your website and check these two technologies out. You have pages up for both of these, right? Yeah, we do. You can see the technologies on any of the helmet landing sites. So if you go to bellhelmets.com, 
If you want to check out the Flex technology, you can go to the Moto9 Carbon Flex page or the Race Star page. And if you want to check out the MIPS technology, you can check it out on our Moto9 MIPS as well as our MX9 MIPS. Also, we have that built into our MX9 Adventure helmet as well as two of our street helmets, so our Star MIPS and our Qualifier DLX MIPS. So we are the first helmet manufacturer that's actually bringing rotational energy management systems over to the Adventure and uh, also as well as the street side. All right. Well, thank you for coming on with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, so what did you think about that? You know, I'm actually really excited to hear about some of this stuff because I think that this is kind of one of those areas where, you know, we talk about the importance of wearing a helmet, but we don't really get into sort of the logistics of what a helmet can and can't do. Yeah. And I like to hear about some of these specifics because even though there's a lot of language in there that on first run through, I, I certainly didn't understand, but I'm starting to look at the website yeah, all already. All those acronyms right? were, yeah. oh, <laughs> yeah. EPO and EPA or I yeah, don't know what. It's, it's a little overwhelming when you hear it like that. But I think uh, just to know that we are talking about increasing the efficiency of energy management upon impact yeah. You know, this is something that actually I always see a little correlation here between the new talks about the NFL and the helmets and that kind of thing too, right? Because I see a lot of crossover between just sort of blunt trauma to the head and what a helmet can and can't do. And I think that stuff is important to know about. I also think it's important that uh, manufacturers continue to develop ways that are more advanced than just putting – you know, styrofoam instead of a plastic shell and kind of crossing your fingers. Well, you might remember three or four years ago, Bell was scanning everybody's head at yeah. the motorcycle show, and you could get your head scanned, and they'd create a custom helmet for you for a couple hundred bucks more. And supposedly this is the technology that's beyond that. Fascinating. If you think about it, they had thousands of scans by the time they got done with the tour. So that would really help them in developing sort of a universal shape yeah. for the inside of a helmet and then develop that technology. And that MIPS technology, it actually allows your head to rotate in the helmet in a crash so that you don't – all the all the pressure doesn't – supposedly it doesn't go to one place or get caught in one area. So uh, interesting stuff. It is, yeah. I guess it's a little bit like being, uh, you know, punched in the shoulder versus punched in the chest, right? It kind of it gives you a little bit of energy management when you rotate a little bit like that, and it doesn't become such blunt trauma. But yeah, pretty cool stuff, you know. And like I said in the interview, go, you know, go check out the website yeah. when you're done listening to the show and see what's going on. Um, the, the next thing I'm going to play because we're going alphabetically. <clears throat> is a um, interview with the U.S. reps for the Benelli line. Cool. And, uh, you know, that's an ancient motorcycle brand that we haven't seen in this country very much in recent years. But uh, the product they were showing down at the show was quite impressive. Fit and finish was real good, even though it's all made in China. And uh, so let me get into that interview here. Well... People who know their motorcycle history know the Benelli name, uh, Italian company that manufactured for decades, I believe. And uh, the name is back through SSR Motorsports. And I am here with Keith Ottinger, who uh, is not a bashful guy at all. <laughs> and uh, he can tell us tell us a little bit about how, how the Benelli system works now in the manufacturing. 
I'll be happy to. Thank you for the opportunity, number one. But, yes, Benelli does go back to early 1900s, and we have people ask us all the time, is this the shotgun Benelli? And the story goes that back um, a long time ago, there was about eight brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Four of them built shotguns. The other four put engines on bicycles. Oh, that's right, yeah. And it started, and it went that way for years, but they primarily were in Europe. Uh, other parts of the world and from time to time um, a distributor would bring them into the United States bring the name in do well for a few years and then due to the economy and all things that can happen in this business would fall away it would stay out for a while then come back and it has been that way and about uh, a little over between four or five years ago SSR Motorsports uh, met with Benelli and come up with an agreement where we are the uh, sole distributor for Benelli in North America. Okay. So the where the bikes are engineered in Italy? Uh, that is correct. Um, about, I'm not sure on my dates, but around, I'm thinking around 10 years ago, a Chinese company, and I can't pronounce the name, but we'll call them QJ, uh, bought Benelli. And you, you sound like my next candidate to learn Chinese. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I need to. Uh, but they bought Benelli, and I, I tell people, left them alone, so to speak. They left the factory in Italy. The uh, design engineering is in Italy. and uh, But they have a plant in China as well. So they manufacture in both factories. I would look at a VIN number to see which factory the, the bike is produced in so the quality is uh, very very good on and which comes back uh to talk about the chinese thing uh just because it's made in china does not mean the quality is poor yeah i'm looking at these bikes and the fit and finish on them is pretty nice yeah they're they are very nice and i have personally ridden put several miles on them and they are they are it's just an excellent machine we're trying to bring them in or we brought them in um, because our company is getting known as a company that brings in an entry-level machine at a lower price that people can afford so we're trying to keep but with quality high yeah we're looking at uh, 125 monkey bike over here we're looking at a 600 cc naked bike we're looking at a 300 entry-level bike there and I'm seeing scooters and, and uh, dirt bikes. You guys are really covering the marketplace. Um, let's talk a little bit about this Tornado 600cc naked bike. Right, it's an inline uh, four-cylinder engine, uh, of course, fuel injection. Uh, it's, it's just excellent quality. Uh, of course, I would put it with any 600cc bike out there, uh, but at a very good price. We're very competitive in that 600 market. Yeah, I know you guys are pretty pretty uh, dialed in on your horsepower per dollar type of, of uh, ratio there. So all these bikes kind of fall in on the low end price-wise. Right. They do. They're very, very competitive. But we offer the uh, warranties. Uh, we are working hard on building a dealer network across North America and uh, to where you can buy, purchase these units and have the service uh, that the parts that the customer deserves. Yeah, yeah. And uh, right now in the Pacific Northwest, do we have any dealers? Oh, yes, we do. Across the um, uh, Mel Harris, who, uh, who is our leader, 
uh, Mel would have the exact numbers. I don't, but I think across North America now we're bumping uh, close to 300 dealers. Oh, okay. So okay. about anywhere in the country you want to go, we uh, we we have the dealer backup for them. So if people want to uh, look at this product online, where are they going to go? You go to SSRMotorsports.com, and you can see the full lineup. All right, and that's the full lineup of the Benelli product, the full lineup of the SSR Motorsports, everything. Everything, from the smallest uh, 50cc dirt bike right on up through the uh, 600cc Benelli, which is the largest cc bike we're bringing in at this time. But we have plans to grow the Benelli line. All right. Well, thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Tom. Well, another fascinating interview. I, that was really uh, that was really interesting because I am perpetually kind of uh, curious about the Benelli brand because mm-hmm. there's such a historical lineage to it, and he touched on that a little bit here. But for the last couple of years, we haven't really heard too much, and for me to hear 300 dealers. In the United States, that's kind of a shocking number. Yeah, I haven't. We got to go to the website and see. I know they told me that there was a guy in Moses Lake and maybe somebody in Spokane, but as far as I know, there's nobody right here in. Uh, well, let's not say Seattle because there's only four motorcycle right. OEMs left in Seattle. But but in the uh, in the Puget Sound region, I don't think there's anybody right now. You're kind of looking. Well, right there I am. On your yeah, device. it's funny you say that. I've got it pulled up here. So I did uh, the options here. The furthest range I could do from the Seattle zip code here is 100 miles. And within 100 miles, uh, it looks like uh, Max MPG Scooters and University Place has scooters and pit bikes. Okay, uh, so that's down uh, Tacoma. Way. Yeah, uh, scooters for commuters um, in uh, Puyallup. And uh, they have, again, pit bikes and scooters. And then Paulson's Motorsports in Lacey. Mm-hmm. has uh, dirt bikes and pit bikes down there, according to the website. So, so nobody are, with the Benelli stuff yet. Yeah, it doesn't look like yeah. anywhere within 100 miles, anyway, for the naked bike that he referenced there. But uh, You can look them up online and see what they look like. They're yeah. Pretty, pretty nice product, I thought. They do, yeah. Maybe, uh, I was hoping maybe you'd touch on Keith there, my idea for uh, Seattle Cycling Shotgun, but it sounds like maybe they uh, diverged a few years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, I talked this over with Seattle Cycle and talked it over with Skagit as well, yeah. and uh, the deal is that in order for them to get any of this product, they need to buy a container full, or like, I don't know, it's like 15 units. I got you. And, uh, and everybody wants to test the water and maybe bring a bike in and see how it does mm-hmm. before they go and commit to a quantity of stuff that they'd have to pay flooring on. And, and you know, the, the jury's out service-wise, how that's all going to play with uh, replacement parts and stuff like that being available. Good point. So I don't think we're going to see it in the next few months, but but maybe they'll get it worked out and we can start to see this here. But I think some of these Benelli's would be nice to take down to the bike night somewhere, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. I think the bikes look pretty good. You know, I was also uh, an inline four-cylinder 600cc. That's uh, a lot of cylinders for 600cc. Let me tell you, a beautiful, I'm not going to, uh, I don't have an interview here with Honda, but that new CB6 650F yeah. is a stunning-looking motorcycle. Um, I used to own a CB1, also known as a CB400F. Cool. Uh, they made those in the 70s, but they came back in the 80s with a water-cooled version. And uh, this CB650F that's out now is 
if you're looking for a naked bike, you got to look at this bike. It's an inline four, right? And it's got a red line up around thirteen thousand. Ooh, wheel that! Oh, out. it's quite a weed weapon. Yeah. <laughs> so that's worth checking out. But uh, but I tell you, I was impressed with what I saw, and and uh, you know, if if you're looking for something inexpensive that you're not going to ride the heck out of, yep, uh, it might be. Might check out these Benellis. Well, you know, I'll say too that I know a lot of times people uh, in the motorcycling community can be a little warded off from other sections or other brands of motorcycling. But for me, I am very intrigued by the idea of this now being sort of in the hands of a Chinese company. That doesn't scare me off. What it does is make me wonder maybe there's going to be some pioneering efforts from these other markets that we can bring into the United States markets. And maybe like with this, I mean, this is close to an entry-level bike. 600 cc is probably a little high if you're a first-time rider. But uh, just to see, you know, maybe we can start but to learn some But they had some, some 300s and that sort of and thing. And some too. scooters and stuff too, yeah. right? But just to kind of see, you know, hey, this works in this part of the world. Maybe we test the waters here in North America. Oh, this is a good idea. And, you know, anything that improves the community at large, I am behind 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thing you got to watch out with the Chinese manufacturing now too is what's going to happen with tariffs. Yes, so the big question mark, right? Yep. Um, all right. Anyways, we'll move on to um, our favorite little company out of Portland, Icon Motorsports. Uh, I got an interview with one of the reps there, so here it is. All right, I'm over here at the uh, Icon Motorsports booth, and Icon's been a longtime supporter of our rally in the gorge. And uh, they got some new products that we want to look at today. Uh, anybody familiar with the line, and I'm sure many of our listeners are, you know that they make helmets, you know that they make jackets, you know that they make those bright orange vests that people get sometimes, the mil-spec vest. So uh, I'm here with Kat, who's going to give us a little audio tour. Let's first talk about this new helmet over here. So our new helmet is our new Air Flights here. Uh-huh. Um, we actually brought this model out in the spring, uh, but we have several new colors for the fall as well. Um, it, the face shield comes down and covers up the chin bar. Um, you can actually see on the model over here the Battle Scar version with the gold iridium shield on it. It makes it look very futuristic. Uh, yeah. It's in a very different style. It's what we call Neo Retro. Is there an advantage to the face shield covering over the chin bar? You look awesome. <laughs> it also does It does actually help with making it a quieter helmet for us. Oh, all so right. So it actually does help make it a little quieter, but honestly, we were just tired of the kind of homogeny of full-face helmet design, and we wanted to do something that stood out and was a little bit different. Yeah, and then there's replacement shields, right? Yep, you can get 10 different colors of external shield and 8 different colors of internal shield on the air flight, so you can mix and match and make it really whatever light conditions you're riding in, make it fit for that or whatever style you want to make. You can make it, get a red shield to match your red bike, a blue shield to match your blue bike, or whatever how about you want a, to How do. about a photochromatic? We do a pinlock insert that is photochromic, okay. and that is uh, called their Protect Hit. All right, all right. And so how many different graphics are, are available on this helmet uh, If you count individual colors within the same graphic, I believe there's 12 or 13 now. Okay. So a lot of options Lots of already. choices. Yeah. All right. And then this is your new jacket that I'm looking at over here? Yep. This is our Automag 2. So the Automag was one of the first jackets we made a long time ago. Uh, it was a burly leather, awesome jacket, um, very durable, and we wanted to bring it back in a uh, lighter weight textile, more comfortable manner. One of the really awesome things about it is it's designed to be a little better for cooler weather, but rather than being restricted by a waterproof shell like that, even though 
I know you're based in Seattle and we're in Portland and we know how important waterproof Yeah, we need waterproof those waterproof is. shells. We have amazing waterproof shells. <laughs> this is designed for the people who aren't necessarily looking for that. Um, one of the unique things about this that we do is in our full sleeve quilted thermal liners, which A, have really comfy sweatshirt cuffs. Everywhere there's a vent on the outside of this jacket, uh-huh. there is a vent through the liner inside. Oh, so you have to remember to open that up. Well, it's so that you, if normally when you have a thermal liner under a jacket with vents, you're blocking the vents with your thermal liner. This allows the air to flow through while you're wearing the liner, so you don't necessarily have to pull over and take the liner out if it just warms up a little bit. And this is just one liner, right? It's yep. insulated and just it's, an it's the water layer. water repellency is in the liner as well? Or no, no water repellency. Itself? Nope, no water repellency. Oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. This isn't our waterproof super hardcore uh, cold weather jacket it's just our new sort of three season cooler weather so you have ventilation we wanted to make something that had a better option to get a little bit into the warmer season too right Um, and lastly you guys are getting into the uh, sort of the luggage gear type products and I'm looking at a couple of bags here that look like you might be able to throw them over the back of a pannier but then again they have straps on the back so you could carry them as a backpack as well Yeah, they're definitely designed originally, first and foremost, to be backpacks. Uh, We actually used to have a pretty massive bag selection. Uh, We sort of shied away from it for a little while, and we brought back these uh, three new models for this uh, year. The Dreadnought is a 20-liter roll-top waterproof backpack. There's the waterproof part for you. We Again, no, we need to do that. So the main compartment is a thermo-welded bag. Uh, It allows you to put... A lot of stuff in there and keep it nice and dry there's a couple of extra pockets on the outside you'll notice this little wrench logo pocket up here uh-huh. every single one of our new bags includes a color matched self-facing uh, tool roll so you have oh, yeah. okay, cool. a really nice tool roll that you can strap to your bike you can leave it in the bag you can do whatever you want with it but every single one so the red bag comes with a red tool roll the black bag comes with a black tool roll the gray bag comes with a gray tool roll um, all looks really nice and this um, is all nylon uh, yeah. And then coated on the inside? Around. Well, it's not coated. It's a thermo-welded bag, so okay. it's it's a little bit different. The fabric itself that you're seeing on the outside is not the waterproof part. Right. It is the main compartment bag that's the waterproof part. Gotcha. Uh, but one of my favorite things on these is we're using a new system on the chest closure here called the Fidlock that is magnetic. Oh, uh, nice. So you can see when you get it close, it just clicks itself in. You don't have to. So when your gloves are on, you don't have to struggle really hard to get that clipped across your chest is there a video about that online that our listeners could look at yeah we have videos it's on kind our of website an interesting thing but i can't really explain it to you yeah it's kind of hard to explain with words um but there is a video about the bag on our website um and also the brand name is called fidlock uh and they are used by other brands as well but it's a good system so all right well thanks for coming on with Absolutely. us today nice to meet you thank you very much all right bye-bye well another good interview there with cat from icon and you know Icon's one of those companies that about every two months, it hits me. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're in Portland because they always feel like they're so progressive in their design and their attitude. I always just always assume like, hey, they're an L.A. company. But no, they're right here in the yeah, Northwest. Right here. Yeah. And they do they do great stuff, man. I love a lot of their styles. And, uh, you know, they reach across a lot of sort of motorcycling genres. So it must have been pretty cool to see their display down there. Oh yeah, it was nice. I I what I didn't see what I was looking for, which was a fifty-five gallon uh, dry bag with holes in the sides, so that I could just throw it over myself and and have a rain. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I no, think they that, call that a trash bag, don't they? <laughs> that little buckle thing. You got to look at the video of that when you have a chance. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. That um, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff coming from them. A um, couple people that I didn't interview. Uh, Jeevy. 
had some really nice stuff. And they have certainly been poking around with who their competitors are and what they're doing. Right. And making some really top-notch soft luggage. Great. Um, you know, because we were talking about luggage with Icon, but GV has a really nice line as well uh, for adventure touring uh, that will fit many different mounts, or you can buy a mounting kit from GV. Cool. Um, so that was going on. Um, I did see all the new Senna product and all the new Cardo product. Great. Uh, Cardo's teaming up with JBL. So JBL's doing the, the headphone speakers for them. Uh, Senna is uh, doing a camera in the helmet now and going to, coming up with a new version of that. The rumor is that Senna will actually come in the future at some point with a noise-canceling headset system. So just built into the uh, helmet there? Or? Built into the helmet. Cool. And the other rumor is that they're having trouble getting the DIOT to agree to that. I wonder why that would be. Uh, I guess they're worried that it's going to cut out too much noise, but, you know, you're still going to hear what's going on around yeah. you. If a, if a siren comes down the street, you're not going to miss it. Right. But uh, Can you imagine that, being on your electric bike with your noise-canceling helmet on? Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I I I prefer to have a noise canceling helmet on my bicycle too. Yeah, you, know, no you get moving twenty miles an hour, or whatever. All that wind noise That's is true. up. I agree with you. Yeah. So well, cool to see so much development on the uh, product and accessory side there. And of course, like you said, Icon always doing cool stuff, and uh, always good to see them take part in the rally in the gorge every year too. Yeah, we appreciate that. I didn't see a lot of the Raiden stuff. Maybe I just didn't notice it. But, uh, you know, they were down there one year with the whole Raiden booth. Yeah, for a while that was it seemed to be a, a pretty big push. But now I think they've got some more uh, – they've done a lot of more development. And uh, you see some, some good-looking jackets, too, that are pretty casual. Like uh, you wouldn't even notice some of them that they are motorcycle jackets. But they got the yeah, armor built in and everything. True. So. Uh, okay, so I got one more to go here, and this is uh, – I went over to the Kawasaki booth, and the they did an introduction on the new H2 Carbon. So get your wallet out and take a <laughs> listen to this. I made my way over to the Kawasaki booth, and they unveiled a brand-new H2 Carbon sport bike here. It, it is just beautiful, the uh, – Framework's all painted out in the in the Kawasaki green. Uh, I can't even explain the sheen of the texture on here, but I'm here with Gary Herzog, longtime Kawasaki employee, and uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about the bike. Uh, let's talk about that paint, Gary. Tell them what they don't know. Well, this is an all-new process, uh, a new paint style, where if you get minor scratches in this paint... You take the bike out and set it in the sun, and the minor scratches disappear. Yeah, that's, so that's cool. Really, really new. I mean, everybody gets scratches on the front of the gas tank from you know, leaning against it. So it's if the nice. rider comes off the bike, uh, can he sit in the sunshine and let all the road <laughs> rash heal up at the same time? Yeah, and if his bike falls down, I'm afraid that it's not going to fix that either. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> all right, and then let's talk about the computer up on the dash here, because there's lots going on with that. Okay, it's a multi, you know, multi-colored uh, display, and this this bike is recording what kind of riding you're doing on the bike. It'll record lean angle. Uh, it'll record top speeds. It'll record how many miles you've got to go on the gas that it's it has in the tank. And how much, what kind of mileage you're getting? 
all, all kinds of features and whatever mode you're in because there's three modes for power, three different power settings, three different traction control settings, and they all appear on this on this display simply by pushing buttons on the handlebar. You can select what feature you want to see on the screen. And then when you get done with the ride, what happens? Now, when you're done with the ride, you can take your iPhone and download all the information the bike has stored about your riding adventure. So, uh, so it'll tell you top speed? It'll tell you top speed, yeah. You can take it home and show your buddies <laughs> if you want to show off. Tells you where you were? <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. And if uh, you know, you're parking it in a big parking lot and you're worried about finding your bike later on, it records where the bike is parked. So you can use your iPhone to find your bike when you come back to ride again. Wow. Now, what's the list price on this bike? This bike, the carbon, the carbon model is 31000 suggested list. The standard paint, 28000 So if you buy a $31,000 motorcycle and you can't remember where you parked it, <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, thank you for showing this to us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, there's also going to be a thirty or a fifty-five thousand dollar version of the bike. That's incredible. I think it's the one with the supercharger built in. I would hope it would at least have that. And that one, uh, uh, for an extra twenty-four grand, there, I I want to be the guy who can sit into the sun and have that repair me. And they told me that the supercharger is going to spin at two hundred and sixty thousand RPM, and I said. You mean 26,000? And she, the lady said, no, 260,000 RPM. Wow. Wow. What's the life cycle on that, you wonder, spinning at those RPMs? Well, you got to buy one to find out. All right. I will, uh, <laughs> as advised, I've got my wallet out while I listen to that. But, uh, you know, this is, these H2s, they really are tremendous motorcycles. They got a little uh, heritage going back there to the, when they came out in the 70s, you know, and they called them the Widowmakers. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine why that was the case, but uh, pretty fascinating, though, to hear about the uh, self-repairing paint. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, like, what if you what if you dent the tank and then you put it in the sun? The, the paint heals, that, yeah, but you can still dent. see where the dent is. <laughs> well, don't dent the tank, I guess. Is, is the uh, Well, what's the tank made out of? Does it have carbon fiber? Is it dent? Well, it's or? probably a metal tank, yeah. but it, it has a um, – this paint is – it's kind of weird, you know. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to put wax on this paint. Right. But <laughs> um, it's got a weird kind of sheen to it. Sure. Not like a flat or a matte, but but just kind of not perfectly shiny, right? And I didn't I didn't test out the self healing part while I was there. Yeah, that would have said, been no, don't do that. That would have been good for the interview there, right? You <laughs> take your keys out and give it a little scratch. But uh, also the suspension was all electronic too. So um, when you looked up there on the forks, there was all this digital stuff going on with the suspension and lighting that would come on and. You know, you could punch in what you want for your preload and what you want for your rebound and all this stuff. I mean, the computer thing was crazy. It'd take you like an hour of getting ready to get on the bike and then another hour after your ride to, like, download everything and analyze it in your phone. Yeah, it just sounds like maybe that's what you do. You just sit uh, in the coffee shop on your iPhone and you get all that preload and everything set up, huh? Yeah, and since you're only going to ride it for a half hour, you got to plan, like, two and a half hours <laughs> yeah. for that day, so... <laughs> 
But make sure that you uh, still have all the appropriate gear. Maybe go down and see our friends at Icon and get the helmet and the jacket and the whole deal, right? Uh, this is going to be a crazy bike when it shows up in, like, super bike races. Oh, man. It's going to yeah. be insane. And just 31000 for, I guess, the uh, you know the basic model with the advanced paint there. This I'd is the basic? Yeah. With yeah. The, yeah. 28000 without the paint job. So, so. Might as well, yeah, go ahead and spend three grand for some paint. Ah, you know, you? it's just financing, right? It's another <laughs> 20 bucks a month. Anybody who has 28000 has 31000 Right. So. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see that paint on the uh, forthcoming uh, 2020 KLR. We'll see if that makes it around. So that's what we got from the AIM Expo, and there's more information, a whole feature article that's online now at soundwriter.com. A lot of fun, man. We're really going to take a little break. When we come back, we've got some tips and tricks. Support for the Soundwriter Show is provided in part by Cycle Barn of Smoky Point, your destination location for all things Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki, and KTM. Featuring a large showroom and fully staffed service area, the Smoky Point Cycle Barn is the place to come and compare all the latest models, have your bike serviced, and shop for aftermarket apparel and parts. Visit them online at CycleBarn.com. Hi there, this is Steve Stewart. My favorite place to ride in the state is US-14 along the Columbia River. Go to the Sound Rider Rally and check it out. Hi, this is Wayne from Whole Shop Motorsports in Langley, British Columbia, and you're listening to the Sound Rider Show. Pulling into the garage on the Soundwriter Show. The ride is coming to an end. <laughs> but as you know, we don't like to leave you without a couple of good tips and tricks before we end the show. Uh, what do you got over there? Well, you know, I had an interesting conversation. I was with uh, up at uh, Seattle Used Bikes, guest on the show a couple of years ago, Dave Roosevelt, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were just having a conversation about motorcycling, and he brought up something that uh, I thought was very poignant, though very basic. And uh, that was, you know, he was like, hey, we, we can't forget that motorcycling is supposed to be fun, and we need to share that with people that... It's fun. Yeah. And, you know, we were kind of touching on some uh, conversation in regards to, you know, the same old tropes and laments that we've heard in the industry for the last 10 years. Oh, the demographic shifting. People aren't buying. People aren't doing this. But that was really his point was like, hey, it's fun. Like, we have to remember that and we have to not be afraid to talk about that. There's so many people who go to work. Uh, and they don't talk about the fact that they're a motorcyclist. There's people that go to dinner with their friends, and they don't talk about the fact that they're motorcyclists. And I think that that probably tends to be truer in some segments than others. But I realized, you know, outside of obviously being part of Sound Rider, sometimes I'm guilty of that too. You know, I won't celebrate the fact that motorcycling is fun talking about it. You know, I'll get into really detailed conversations with other motorcyclists about technology and gear and safety and where to ride. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just lose sight of the fact that, hey, this is ultimately about having fun and enjoying life. So my tip is, if you're one of those guys, myself included, you know, it's okay. Go ahead, celebrate it. Let people know that motorcycling is fun. And then if they have questions about it, then we can start encouraging people to be part of our community and to get out and ride. 
Yeah. True. Yeah. And and you know, you, you, you make sure you tell your doctor and your dentist that you ride a motorcycle, and that way, every time you come into the uh, the medical facility there, they they will always look at their chart <laughs> and go, "Oh, I got to ask him where he's been riding." Yeah. Lately. We'll get the we'll get this off to a good start. Yeah. And on that note, outside of your motorcycle insurance provider, don't tell your other insurance providers. Oh, good right. point. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, I got a tip here. Uh, this is a time of year when somebody might be wanting to invest in a new jacket, a warmer jacket, whatever it may be, something that's going to get them through the fall and the winter months. Um, as a jacket tip, um, this is only one of many jacket tips that I have, but uh, this would be having to do with when you're buying a new jacket, uh, the liner that comes in the jacket. Uh, that's typically the uh, the cheapest part of a jacket. And if you've got some nice recreational gear at home for that you use for backpacking or whatever, and you have like a, an interior shell liner, uh, what you could do is just uh, take that liner out of the jacket you're buying and, and wear your nice $200 shell instead of the $10 liner that came with the jacket, and you'll be warmer. And, uh, that, you know, that, that, that little cheapo liner it won't mind that you didn't wear it that day. <laughs> that's a great point. You know, that's something I don't think enough people do. But I started doing that a few years ago because um, on sunny days, even in the winter, I still like to wear my leather jacket. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put my backpacking um, liner, you know, the one that I carry for backpacking that is uh, synthetic. I put that on underneath and I tuck it into my pants and I put my leather jacket on over top of it. Yeah. And I've even got some uh, some shell pants. Yeah, and I'll put those on on a cold day, and I and I won't worry about putting that liner into the pants that I wear. I'll have to take that out. Great or point. Whatever, so. Yeah, I like that. All right, folks, that's our show. We hope you enjoyed it. We are going to come back in December and uh, tell you where the good deals are. And uh, I love you, Tip Derek. Uh, make sure you tell your friends you like riding motorcycles. That's right. And be thankful in this uh, November month that you are a motorcyclist, yeah, right? Yeah, make sure you ride this month. Don't be a turkey and Don't not ride. Don't be a turkey. <laughs> All right. We'll see you back here in December. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on The Sound Rider Show.